Welcome. Today our themes are resurrection, revival and renewal as we look at Psalm 119, the longest psalm, and the eight verses beginning with verse 25. My name is Keith Simons. I'm a Bible teacher from England and I present these talks on how to understand the King James Bible using the Psalms. So Psalm 119 beginning at verse 25. It has the heading in our King James Bible, Dalet, that's the fourth letter of the Hebrew alphabet, the equivalent of our letter D. And the reason it has that heading is that each of these eight verses begins in the Hebrew language with the letter Dalet. Psalm 119, as well as being the longest psalm, is perhaps also the longest continuous prayer in the Bible. Each verse of it, with just three exceptions, is in the form of prayer. And the other characteristic of it is that in each verse, it contains a word which refers in some way to the word of God, the Bible, or, or God's law, or something like that. We'll see that as we go through. So let me read you verse 25. My soul cleaveth unto the dust. Quicken thou me according to thy word. My soul cleaveth unto the dust. The book of Genesis tells us that God made man from the dust of the earth. And after Adam had sinned, in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 19, God declares, For dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. My soul cleaveth unto the dust. My soul, my life, the life that's in me, my inner life, has an attraction, a cleaving, cleaving means that it sticks to it. He's saying that his life has a very firm attachment to the earth, to this world. He's saying his desires are so often for things of this world. He's selfish. He's greedy. He turns away from God. And what's more, those desires are so much for the earth that one day he's going to die and become part of it. Oh, how close he is to death while he lives for himself and for his own desires. How weak he is, how unable he is to help himself. It's as if he's already dead in trespasses and in sins and in the wrong things that he's doing. But all he can do is turn to God in prayer. My soul cleaveth unto the dust. Quicken thou me according to thy word. The word quicken means to give life. It's God who gives life even to the dead. God is the God of resurrection. And uh, of course, that's for the last days. That's when God will raise our bodies to life. 
But God is doing resurrection even now, in renewal, in new birth. Paul writes in Romans 8 and verse 11, But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Oh, it's the work of God's Holy Spirit to bring life to a person who's far from God, to a person who lives only for themselves and can see nothing but their life in this world. It is the Spirit of God that can bring them life. And when that person comes to God, when they turn from their sins and put their trust in God, they are, to use words, of John chapter 3, they are born again. Or as, as Paul put it in Romans, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies. Yes, God can transform people and he does transform people. He raises them to life, though they are far from him. He works in their lives by the power of his Holy Spirit. Back to Psalm 119, verse 26. I have declared my ways, and thou heardest me. Teach me thy statutes. I have declared my ways. I wonder what ways he declared. The last verse of this psalm tells about the ways of this man. Verse 176 says, I've gone astray like a lost sheep. Oh, if we follow our own ways, if we go in our own ways, we wander far from God. We live for ourselves. We do what pleases us. That's why we've got to turn to God. That's why we've got to confess our sins to God. We've got to declare to him the wrong ways that we've been going in. We've got to turn to God. And when God hears that prayer, when he hears that we've confessed our sins to him and we've turned to him, then God answers that prayer. That's when God gives new life to a person. That's when God raises up that person's soul, which seemed to be dead, verse 25, and gives new life to it. God hears our prayers and he teaches us. He teaches us how to live in the way that pleases him. Oh, God's recorded and revealed his word to us in the Bible, his statutes. And so the author of this psalm prays to God, teach me thy statutes. Oh God, I don't want to live in my own way anymore. I've seen how that brings death to my soul and death to my spirit. I want to turn from my own ways. I want to turn to you. And I thank you, God, that this prayer is in accordance with your will, that you hear me. And so according to your word, according to your promise, and by the power of your Holy Spirit, you quicken me, you give life to me, and then you teach me. You teach me as I study the Bible. You teach me as I read your word and as I think about it 
and meditate on it in my heart, you teach me to live in the way that pleases you. Verse 27. Make me to understand the way of thy precepts. So shall I talk of thy wondrous works. Thy precepts. The Hebrew word means that God has visited us. He's placed before us what he wants us to do. He's placed before us his word. He's placed before us the Bible, his direction. Oh, I was following my own way in verse 26. But now I want to follow the way of thy precepts. I want to follow God the way that you've set out for me. If you've come to me and you've visited me and you've shown me how I can live to please you, that is the way I desire to live. That is the life I desire to understand. First one of this psalm said, Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Walking there is a word picture for how we live. God, if I understand the way that you've set down for me in the Bible, if I understand the way that you've provided, then I can walk or live in that way. Then I can serve you in this world. I can do what you want. I can testify to how wonderful you are and the wonderful things that you've done. So shall I talk of thy wondrous works. And yet, in verse 28, we almost seem to return to the idea with where he began. Oh, he began needing a resurrection. He began needing revival, renewal in his life. He said, my soul cleaveth unto the dust. And now he says, my soul melteth for heaviness. What's happening? Perhaps he's crying deeply in himself. And those tears are so many that they almost seem to dissolve away his soul. His soul melting with weakness. He is so weak because he knows that he's got so far to go. So far to go to reach what God wants. And yet he knows the God who gives him strength. I can do all things, Paul wrote, through Christ who strengthens me. So the author of our psalm prays when he is so weak, when he is so overcome, strengthen thou me according to thy word. Yes, it was the word that gave him life. In verse 25, he prayed, quicken thou me, give me life according to thy word. And now in his weakness, he must pray again and again, God, please strengthen me. Strengthen thou me according to thy word. It's your word that placed your new life within me. So in my troubles, and when I feel great heaviness in my soul, and when my soul weeps with tears and feels to melt away, then I turn to you again, God. And I turn to your word, your Bible again, for in that you provide the strength for me to continue living, to continue serving you, to continue obeying you, to learn more and more each day 
of how you want me to live. Because in my life, there's temptations. In my life, although it's a renewed life, although you've given me a new life in Christ, although I'm born again, was still that desire for my own selfish things tempts me. And I'm tempted, oh God, even to lie, to say false things for my own advantage. Why, in business, I can see that if I say untrue things, I can make better profits. I can gain things for myself. And that's why I have to pray, verse 29, remove from me the way of lying. Oh, this is a natural way for people in this world who care about their lives, who care about their own benefits. They will see, say anything that will benefit them. But that is a way that leads far from you. That is not the right way to go on. So take me away from that way. Remove from me the way of lying. Take me away from it, God. Because what I need is not to be going in a false way, but in the true way. And where will I find the true way? But in what you have said, because you are the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life, or the true and living way. So remove from me the way of lying and grant me thy law graciously. Freely grant me your law. It's your law I need to teach me the right way. Now, we look at this word for law, the Hebrew word Torah. And yes, in the Bible, it is translated law. But its real meaning is teaching, teaching about how we are to live for God. So when he prays and grant me thy law graciously, Graciously means freely. So he's praying, give me your law, give me your lessons. Give me the lessons that are going to teach me how you want me to live. Yes, the way of lying does tempt me, but I know that's the wrong way. I know that's a dangerous way. I know that way leads to hell and to death. It's life I want. And that is the life that I choose to live for you. And I know that that life comes from your word, your teaching, your law. So give me that law that I may live in the right and good way because, verse 30, I have chosen the way of truth. Yes, if the way of lying leaves leads to death and to the grave and to hell, where then does the way of truth lead? Well, surely it leads to the everlasting life and heaven and to God himself. So I have chosen the way of truth. I care not if I, if I fail in business because I didn't speak lies. What is that to me? That is cleaving to the dust. That is just accepting this earthly world and its ways. No, I want to choose the way that God has shown me, the way of truth. I want to choose to live in the way that pleases God, 
because I have seen in the Bible what God's judgments are and what they will be. Thy judgments, he writes, have I laid before me. Yes, I've opened the Bible and I've read it. And I've read what God says about lying and about truth. I know what, God, what judgments God has set down in the Bible. So I know what the future judgment will be of these things when God is the judge of all people. I am turning from the way of lying. I have chosen the way of truth. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to cling to God's way. I'm going to stand for God. Okay, remember what he said at the beginning of our passage, verse 25. My soul cleaveth unto the dust. Cleaveth. He's saying his inner life is sticking to the ground. It's as if the life in him, what little life he has left, is holding on to the earth and to the grave. He uses that word again in verse 31, that word for cleaveth. Listen to that verse, verse 31. I have stuck unto thy testimonies, O Lord. Put me not to shame. God, for a long while, my soul has stuck to the earth. It's stuck to the dust. It's been almost in its grave because it's so much desired the things of this world. But now I've changed, O oh God. Now that you've come into my life, that you have changed me, that you have caused me to be born again by your spirit, I see that I'm sticking to something else. I'm no longer sticking to the dust, to the earth, to the selfish life. I have stuck unto thy testimonies, O Lord. I have chosen your way, and now I cling closely to the evidence that you have given of your relationship with your people. The word testimonies in the Old Testament, it refers particularly to the objects that God gave to Israel's people, uh, to, to the evidence that he gave to them that he truly was and is the God of Israel's people. He gave them the Ten Commandments written on tablets of stone, and those blocks of stone were testimonies. And he gave them the Ark of the Covenant, a box that contained those tablets. And that is called the Ark of the Testimony, because that, which was Israel's most sacred object, was evidence that God was with and is with Israel's people. It is God's testimonies that the author of this psalm sticks to. He says, God, I'm no longer the selfish person who's stuck to this earth and stuck to everything that this world has to offer. No, God, what I cling to now, what I stick to now is the Bible and what it teaches me and what it reveals to me about the relationship I have with you. So, Lord, put me not to shame. Oh, how can I be ashamed? Because now you are my God 
I was very ashamed in the past. I was ashamed that I chose the way of lying. I was ashamed that I cleaved to the dust, that I chose an earthly, selfish way to live. How will it be now that I stick to your testimonies, O God? Will I again be ashamed because you fail to do what you have promised to do in your word? No, of course, that's not the case. God does not fail. He is true to his word. Every promise will be carried out. Everything that God has said will be done. So if I stick to your testimonies, O God, I cannot be put to shame. I will succeed in life because I am living your life. I will achieve the way that you have provided for me because I'm going in that way. I'm walking in that way. I've chosen the way of truth, verse 30. I understand the way of thy precepts, verse 27. And verse 32, I'm so enthusiastic. I won't just walk in your way. No, I will run the way of you, of thy commandments when thou shalt enlarge my heart. Yes, as I serve you, God, I shall achieve so much in serving you. Like someone, it's not enough for them to walk in the path that's right. They run in it. I will run the way of thy commandments. God's commandments, what God has ordered us to do. He runs in that way because he has such delight and such pleasure and such joy in serving God. Oh, you thought that it was something difficult to serve God and to follow his commandments, maybe? Maybe you thought that it would be a burden not to be able to lie in business. Or not to be selfish and follow your own selfish desires. No, it's a joy. When God works in your heart, it brings joy to you and delight that you are following his commandments, that you're living his way, that you live in the way that God has taught you. But God, to live in that way, I need you to do something more for me. I will run in the way of thy commandments when thou shalt enlarge my heart. Maybe he means that he needs his to be enlarged. Maybe he means that things around him are controlling him so much he needs God to give him the freedom to run in the way of God's commandments. Or maybe he means that God will enlarge his heart by giving him wisdom and love and joy and the things that he needs to serve God better and better. And so God is taking his heart, his inner life, and he's enlarging it and increasing it and causing it to grow and be blessed. And that is how he runs in the way of God's commandments. Please write to me. My email address is 333kjv at gmail.com. I've written a few books which are available at Amazon. Uh, if you'd like the details of these, please feel free to write and ask me and I'll send you a link 
with more information? Or why not just write and tell me where in the world you are? It would be lovely to hear from you. 333kjv at gmail.com Now let me read you the whole of the section headed Dalit, the Hebrew letter, from Psalm 119, the eight verses beginning at verse 25. My soul cleaveth unto the dust. Quicken thou me according to thy word. I have declared my ways, and thou heardest me. Teach me thy statutes. Make me to understand the way of thy precepts. So shall I talk of thy wondrous works. My soul melteth for heaviness. Strengthen thou me according unto thy word. Remove from me the way of lying, and grant me thy law graciously. I have chosen the way of truth. Thy judgments have I laid before me. I have stuck unto thy testimonies, O Lord, put me not to shame. I will run the way of thy commandments when thou shalt enlarge my heart.